it's always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nitin. What's good, Nitin? Yo, we talked two weeks ago uh, on the eve of the draft. It feels like so much has happened, yet in some ways, it almost feels like we are back at status quo in the league in terms of who is still currently at the top of the hierarchy, who's kind of expected to straggle. What have you made uh, between the draft, free agency, just big picture strokes? Like, am I crazy to think that not much has changed, even as you know some of the contenders beefed up and others maybe got a little worse? But for the most part, uh, those who ended the season as kind of the favorites going into the next year feel like they're still somewhat in that place. It hasn't been as disruptive as it could have been. And I think we always go into free agency thinking there's going to be a lot more Kind of, I mean, obviously there were some surprises, but we'll get into them. But it wasn't that uh, revolutionary or anything that's really going to shake the NBA landscape. I think what's interesting, though, is that the teams at the bottom are all very Mm -hmm. interesting, except maybe the Washington Wizards. Um, (laughs) I just feel like there's so much talent in the league today that, you know, expansion is making more and more sense because these teams are loaded with talent. Maybe the rosters don't all look like they'll fit, like, you know, Houston, for example. but everyone's got players man every team has got like guys worth watching guys uh who are interesting at least this is especially true in the west because you know you could make an argument for 12 to 12 teams really probably think they're going to be good next year and we know that just based on the law and the numbers and the fact that minimum uh you know five of those teams or two two of those teams i guess of the 12 are not even going to make a play in and a lot of them that make the play, and that's going to be considered a failure of a season, like the Pelicans last year, right? So it's going to be super interesting. Like, you know, does Golden State slide down? Do your Kings slide down more than they thought? Does Minnesota still not figure it out? And, you know, in year two of the towns go bear paying, they've invested so much in. So last year, we spent a lot of time talking about kind of like, who was this like do or die for? And we put Philly on that list. We put the Clippers on that list. Um, you know, to some extent, the Lakers, because they had gone all in on like this new core after the title. But a lot of teams are kind of bringing it back, right? The Timberwolves have mostly brought it back. Like the Pelicans are bringing it back. The Kings are doing the same. The Clippers. So the two, the one thing we should say is like, we're recording this um, July 5th, Wednesday night. So obviously the big, the shoes left to drop are really around Damian Lillard, James Harden, you know, and by proxy, Tyler Hero, maybe Tyrese Maxey, you know, maybe some of the Nets guys. We don't really know where those two players are going to go. So that would be the one thing that could be disruptive to your point. But right now, it's sort of just like everyone got a little bit better. There's a ton of talent in the league. I even look at a roster like Utah where they go get John Collins. They have year two of marketing. They have Walker Kessler. Sexton's going to be healthy. They re-signed Jordan Clarkson. Like That's a really solid squad in terms of just t- Taylor Horton Tucker. So just... It's interesting to see because some of these teams are going to have to be forced into becoming sellers or tanking by the year end. And right now it's still the picture of who exactly that's going to be is, is unclear to me. Yeah, it's um, still unclear. But like you said, I think the dominoes will shift a little bit with Miami. Portland is, is going to be bad regardless. But Miami yeah. can all of a sudden become a real player. Clippers also can leapfrog. So it's still a little early. Still stuff can happen. Yeah. Before we jump into free agency, we should talk quickly on the draft. Uh, so the draft happened uh, like two weeks ago. Obviously, Victor Wembanyama, number one pick to San Antonio, has been has been expected for over a year. 
Um, that also felt pretty chalky to me, right? Like, I don't know a lot about, uh, you know, sort of college and like these sub pro leagues that come into the NBA. Uh, it felt like I knew even less than normal because of so many guys, either international or overtime elite, overtime elite or G league. And so I was even looking at it like of the top 10, basically until you got to number 10, which was Kaysan Wallace, nobody went to a blue blood university. And even Kentucky, where Kaysen Wallace played, was terrible last year, right? So it was a very strange draft where it's like I kind of didn't know whether to what to make of anything. Like some people crushed, you know, Orlando taking Jed Howard at 11, and other people crushed, like, uh, you know, the Anthony Black trade, again, by the Magic. But then some people were like, no, these guys are studs. And it's like this one felt wide open. Um, and any high-level reactions – you know, Kings traded out, which is a bit of a bummer on draft night when you're hyped to see who 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 you add to the stable. But any other big picture reactions from you? <clears throat> big picture, massively boring. I think one because, yeah. like you said, we just don't have enough high profile college guys anymore, and no one's watching G League Ignite Overtime Elite. Like, yeah, we see Scoot highlights on YouTube or on uh, Instagram, but um, I don't even know how to watch. Like, if you asked me, yo. I'd love to come over and watch Overtime Elite with you. I'd be like, good luck. I have no idea. Like, we'll just look up the sky and hope it's playing there. And all the college guys, like you said, Brandon Miller, Alabama, right? Anthony Black, Arkansas, Terrace Walker, Houston, Taylor Hendricks, UCF. Those are the top nine, like in the top nine. Yeah, exactly. And then Casey Walls, Kentucky, but Kentucky was not great. And Derek Lively, you know, and Jet Howard, fine, Michigan, Duke. Grady Dick from Kansas, but none of these guys are Michigan, transcendent. Michigan didn't even make the tournament. That was another thing, right? Like, Michigan didn't, and even Grady Dick out of Kansas, right? Like he's a nice player, but he's not. Um, these guys are not. Huh? Corey, we just drafted Grady Dick two years ago. His name was Corey Kispert. <laughs> exactly. Um, and a guy like Jaime Hawkins, UCLA. You know, he went 18th, and even that was high for him. So I think it's that, and the production is just getting worse and worse. I know a lot's been said about that, but I, I just absolutely detested. The, the way they covered it you get these so family bad, interviews dude. that were awkward you get very few highlights like it would take them so long to get to the actual highlights of the guy player comps they barely spent any time on player comps which is my favorite part even when jalen rose remember when he used to have some just like out there comps um that made no sense that all of that was missing so i just think the draft overall felt a little flat and maybe, but I also thought maybe it's because for once my team was not picking in the top 10. So, no, I don't. I, well, we were the Wizards were in the top 10, and I co signed everything you just said because, like, Victor gets drafted fine. They interviewed him like eight times. Um, so we, we sort of like we got that. We understand he's he's who he is. He's a generational prospect. And actually, I think I saw something that the ratings were like incredible from the draft. So, like, everybody was watching. I don't even know because, like, the fact that they put it on two broadcasts, ABC and ESPN. Fine, do your freaking uh, human interest stories on one of the two channels. Like, on the other two, why can't we just go really deep on basketball? Like, why are we talking about what this means for the family and, like, how hard they worked and tell us about the practices when you were a kid and when did you know this was going to be, your son was going to be, like, an NBA player? Like, we get it. Like, it's fine. Do that on the other channel. Like, you have – honestly, if you want three human interest channels, just pick one of the – million options that ESPN has to broadcast anything for us to like, just go deep on basketball. Cause I'm over here. I never even heard of the name Bilal Koulibaly. Let me just <laughs> tell you that. All right. Honestly, the only time I'd heard it was the day of the draft. My buddy, Sean, who's a avid listener of this podcast. He's a thunder fan. 
he texts me about, uh, you know, Thunder were picking at 12 at the time, right? So this is before the, they made the trade up. And he's like, yeah, Koulibaly is my guy. I'm really hoping we take him. Like, we, they took Jang last year, Jalen Williams. They just have a good eye for this, like, young kind of raw talent. I was like, sure, whatever. I didn't know if that was, like, a type of food in France or <laughs> if there was a player that was entering. So I was like, yeah, whatever. So then the, the, the Pacers take this guy. And I'm like, oh, shit, well, that was your guy. That seems a little high for him based on the fact that he thought he was going to be there at 12. Turns out the Wizards were drafting him, um, which I love on its own. Like, if you like a guy, go get him. Like, Tommy Shepard was trying to, like, play checkers with second-round picks, whereas this new regime is just so uh, direct, and it's it's just way more deliberate, which is a breath of fresh air. Nonetheless, I don't know anything about this dude. He averaged five points a game for Victor's team, Metropolitan's 92. I have no idea if that's, like, meaningful or not. I All I know is he grew, like, eight inches last year, and they think he's going to be the next Giannis. So... Bottom line, even the Wizards player, I, I'm excited to see how like potential, how much potential he has, but I have no expectation, no awareness of what he could or couldn't be. This isn't like when we drafted John Wall and you have like or Bradley Beal and you have some baseline foundation of what, what you're getting. I had, no, I had no idea who he was either. And hey, at the very least, you're taking a flyer and a guy, and you know, the honest comps get ridiculous. Anytime there's like a long armed like foreign prospect, <laughs> and a growth spurt, growth spurt. You need the growth spurt. You need too. the growth, the growth spurt. You get compared to Giannis. I mean, um, but I, I like the fact that the Wizards take a flyer to a guy like that because, like, if you take Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks, like, they're not doing anything for you in the short term. No. Those guys don't we've have been, very high drafted, ceilings to begin with. We drafted four straight years of guys like that, right? Rui Hachimura. Danny I was just going to say, Corey you've Kispert, been doing that. So for once, you're going the opposite direction. It'll be at least interesting to watch, but. Um, I was actually thinking about this in the relation to like when I was listening to uh, you know some podcast about trade packages for Lillard or for or Harden and it's like the Clippers and the Heat and it's like I don't know if their team's PR is so good that suddenly we think their young players are interesting or do people like it's like Jovic and it's like Brandon Boston yeah. and it's like those guys have never done anything like why do we think that they matter in a trade and I'm like is it because Miami's offering and therefore you like naturally are yes. conditioned to think Jovic is some type of good prospect? Like if we put absolutely. Denny Abdi on the table, like would anybody even blink? It, no, that's absolutely it. It has to do with just, and they get the benefit that the halo effect of, of heat culture, it, it applies to all those players. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I think so annoying because you could just do whatever trade you want and whatever young players they have are automatically qualifying as like valuable pieces of the offer. I mean, Tyrese Maxey is actually a good player. And have you seen what yeah. at least the reports are saying? And it could all be leverage plays, but damn, they're treating him like untouchable. He is like this top asset. Yeah. So let's talk about that quickly. I know Windhorse was the one who was like, don't trade him for prime Jordan, prime LeBron. Yeah. And he was being a little facetious, but he, he did say like that is the type of content that's coming back from Philly, meaning they are the ones who are doing that. There's two ways you can take this, right? One is that the price of moving Maxi for a star is also Harris because you can't match salaries otherwise since Maxi hasn't gotten paid yet. And so you're losing two starters for one. And then you're potentially losing Hardened as well for some package. So it's like, are you really going to be better when you like factor in all that movement, right? Maxi, Harris, and Harden at the door, and then Lillard and maybe some role players around them. Let's just say, right? I don't know that that's necessarily a better team. Secondly, this is the more interesting angle. Given Maxi's cap hold and he's a free agent next summer, and the fact that they already said they are not going to extend him this summer because his cap number would go up to that new salary, 
what they're now saying is if they were to renounce absolutely everyone next summer except for Maxi and, of course, Embiid, they would have two max slots available. So the other avenue you could take this is like if you can cobble together a pretty good team, which is another reason why I think they want Harden to stick around, that would be the best case scenario and actually play hard, not like, you know, time to quit James Harden. But if you can convince him to play, you have Harris, you can make one last run with a pretty good core and then just gut it and try to sign two max guys, then give uh, Maxi his max. Um, so you'd have like four maxes on the team, but you would have like a new infusion of talent. Yeah, which is what they're going to essentially try to do and Harden you know I don't know if you saw Michael Rubin's um the party Dude, I was there the, yeah yeah no that was fun Harden Tobias and B they're all there chopping it up Grant Williams was in one of those frames like also hanging out there so uh at least they're in a good terms uh, despite can we the talk about request. that party huh? uh, how how is this guest list being put together this is like everybody I mean, it is. the Kardashians were there. Jay Z and Beyonce were there. Leo, like Justin Bieber, Ben Affleck, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Brady. Like, what is going on with Michael Rubin's like contact list? I don't get it. Like, I get the athlete angle, and then hence the rappers kind of playing off the athlete angle. But all I did the movie stars and the like that was a part that was surprising to me. And obviously Tom Brady and and a lot of the NFL guys and. And, it was, and it's uh, not in LA, like not like they're flying commercial and they have to worry about layovers or anything, but it was in New York, it was in Hampton. So they presumably had to leave their home to come to this party. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it was Kuz with the blue hair. Did you see him there? Was Kuz there? I didn't yeah. see him. He's there with his, he's bl- rocking this blue, all blue was haircut. He, is he still dating Winnie Harlow? Yeah, <clears throat> they were okay, both there. So I, I saw that she was there. And then DJ Khaled was there. Um... I didn't see the Leo picks. I saw someone mention he. I mean, just ridiculous. If you were there, do you think you'd actually have fun? No. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it'd be horrible. I'd be like an anxious mess. I think I would, I would need to leave after like 20 minutes. <laughs> you would not be able to handle it. <laughs> what do you think? Like, like you know, when I'm at work with people who are, let's just say, significantly wealthier than maybe I am, I always am like very careful on what to say, what not to say, stuff like that, where I'm just like, you know, don't say anything stupid or, you know. Don't don't say anything that where you're just like everyone's looking at you like, dude, what what are you what are you talking about? Can you it would be that times like a thousand in in one of these parties? That's why you can't even talk. You can't even have a conversation. You'd be so you can't like, say anything anxious and nervous. And then like, who's your who's the crew that you can at least tag along with? Right? Like probably Grant like, Williams. Like he didn't Grant, have anyone. Yeah, like Grant Williams. Like he's got to latch himself onto someone. Right? He can't just be walking around like. Chop it up with Leo one minute. Like these guys don't know. Apparently who he, he was. Apparently he just hung on to Tatum all all day. <laughs> like that's all you but could like, do. The other thing is like they don't want you to fanboy on them, right? Like Tom Brady doesn't need you to tell him like how much the Bucks Super Bowl meant to you. Like he's not gonna <laughs> care. He's like I don't even remember that. Like which one of those of the seven did I win? Was that one? Like who do we beat? Like at the end of the day, like he and all these other people just want to chill and talk about I don't know golf or whatever like Audemars Piguet watch they have or whatever it is. I, I could see like OBJ being kind of fun to hang with, even though he's like a whole entity onto himself. But most of these guys are like not even real people. Yeah, it, it was it was insane. Um, Starting with Ruben, he looks like a ghost sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, crazy party. Anyway, so draft. Yeah, I think the draft was fine. Like, you know, Mavericks, we'll get into the Mavericks. I thought they did well. 
Um, people seem to like, uh, you know, Utah, Keontae George, and, and the guy, the kid from UCF, Hendricks, that you mentioned. Um, you know, I was surprised Cam Whitmore dropped, but again, I didn't really know anything about Cam Whitmore other than people <laughs> just... were talking about him being like a potential top five pick. So to drop all the way to 20 seems kind of wild. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, other interesting things. Um, Chris Murray went one pick before the Kings. That would they've cool taken story. him? Was there any was there any conversation around that? Yeah, most people think even Kings local reporters think if they if he was available at twenty four, they would have taken him. They wouldn't have traded. Um, but they have well, that trade in the back pocket in case he was not available. And are they twins or what's the deal? They're twins. They're like. Twins, so but why didn't Chris Murray come out last year? He just didn't have a first round grade on him. He wasn't as good, so he he was not as good as Keegan. So he stayed another year. Now he was the focal point of that Iowa team. So now, um, yeah, he's not as talented. Mm. It happens with twins, man. Uh, I mean, Amin and Oster, like the fact that they went uh, like literally back to back was actually wild. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I I had read a couple mocks that had Oster falling to eight which seemed like wishful thinking because almost every other to the wizards basically, because almost every yeah. other draft was like, he's going to be going top six. So I was like, I don't know, maybe there's a chance that this guy falls and that would be a sweet pick. But I think Oscar is actually maybe going to be the better guy. Like I was just looking at like numbers and yeah, their skill sets a little different. So you can make the argument for either one, um, which one can't shoot like at all. I think it was, uh, I'm forgetting the names are too similar. One of them truly like cannot shoot, from what I understand. Like Rajon Rondo entering the NBA level. It might have been Osser. Uh Anyway, all right. So yeah. let's talk while you figure that out. Let's let's pivot to overall kind of free agency trades sort of summer performance. Now that almost all of the activities over there's still a few like we mentioned the trade chips of the stars but there's a few key free agents left to go including pj washington maybe christian wood uh that's kind of it really like i think miles bridges i believe is returning on the qualifying offer so he's off the table so grant williams was just signed uh to dallas today so why don't you start with the first team you want to talk about what you liked about their summer or maybe what you didn't like and then give them a grade based on yeah, your your determination of their go forward view. All right. Well, okay, let's let's start with the Lakers. Okay. Um, uh Lakers. I give them an A minus. Um yep. so just to sum it up, right? The big moves they brought in they brought back Rui on a three year deal. Was it fifty four million? Fifty one, I think. Fifty one. Jackson Hayes on a two year deal, Torian Prince one year deal, Austin Reeves four for that was fifty four. Um, Tickle Flyer and Cam Reddish, uh, D'Angelo Russell uh, on a two-year deal, and then Gabe Vincent. So I think the main thing is they brought back most of their the core of that team that really shined towards the second half of the last year. Um, and they rounded out the bench with with a couple guys who can contribute right away. Torian Prince feels like a great fit alongside LeBron. Gabe Vincent, another guard who is a great fit alongside LeBron. Um, and you take a flyer on on Cam Reddish, who's been up and down, but you know the 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 potential is there. And then Jackson Hayes has also not been that impressive so far in his career, but he brings something to this team as well. So I think just rounding out the depth um, and all on deals that are relatively manageable and contracts that are tradable. Um, yeah, I think 
Austin Reeves, I don't think he was, I don't know why everyone thought he was going to get way more. I'm actually not as high on Austin Reeves as everyone else, but this is a fair price. And for what he brings to that team, it's a great deal to lock him up for yeah. four years. Um, so I think it just gives them flexibility. All these guys can be moved. All these guys play off LeBron. But I give it an A minus because not an A plus because I don't consider it a home runoff season. I think they did what they needed to do. But ultimately, this team is still going to be very dependent on LeBron and AD, and no offseason move can really help that. Um, there's no star here. If LeBron or AD goes down, there's no third player. Um, and you could argue depth is more important, but ultimately no one who can salvage the season if if injuries really do derail it. So A minus, but overall, that, I think they did well. And that's exactly why I'm giving them a B to B plus. I think everyone's gassing them up because they're the Lakers and they operated shrewdly and smartly. But you made two points that I want to hit on. One is did not bring in a second, a third star, right? They just brought back a lot of guys that they had and added a little bit around the fringes. So in a way, they were smart. To, I guess you could say they're smart to bring back their own players. But this isn't a uh, entirely different roster from what they brought. You know what they had last year that got swept by Denver. Two, you know, I don't think that they, they're really counting on guys like Rui, guys like Gabe Vincent, who were different players in the playoffs than they were in the regular season. Even Austin Reeves took his game up a level in the playoffs. And you could say, oh, these guys are gamers. Or you could say this was a flash in the pan, nice two-month run. And they capitalized on that, a la Jerome James to the Knicks. And so that's the thing. I actually think Reeves is a better player as a foundation than um, this contract for sure. So, I'm, I mean, the reason why it's so low, this is the max that the Lakers could pay him. Some other team would have had to come in with cap space and offered more. But I guess nobody decided they wanted to, knowing the Lakers would match. Um, by the way, Bill Simmons is like obsessed with why the Spurs didn't do this. Why do the Spurs care about the Lakers yeah, cap space? Like it literally doesn't matter to them. Like they're trying to do something totally different on an entirely different timeline. And if they know, like Reeves would be good with Victor, right? But if they know that that's going to be a matched offer, what does it matter that they Lakers, you got the Lakers to spend $40 million more? So yeah. There's no just, incentive to do that. When the downside is you get tied to a contract that doesn't give you as much flexibility as you would to operate. Um, you don't need him. So why do that just to drive up the price? I, yeah. And what if you don't want him for $25 million a year? Because he hasn't been good that long. He's an undrafted rookie who may be awesome next to LeBron and AD and not look that same next to you. Like, you may not want him at that yeah. price. And therefore, if the Lakers don't match, then you're really stuck with buyer's remorse, right? That's what I'm so, saying. Anyway. Exactly. That's the worst case scenario. So to um, me, like Rui Hachimura shot 29% from three in the regular season. He's guns blazing in the in the playoffs. Similarly, Vince, Gray Vincent was really below 35%, I think, in the regular season. One of the reasons Miami was one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. And he's insane in the playoffs. So it's hard to tell. Like Gabe Vincent, the archetype, is a great player next to LeBron and AD. Good defender, good knockdown shooter, can play off ball. But there's a lot of question marks, I think, in terms of what these guys are going to do over the course of the full season. And again, none of them are going to be able to remotely carry the load of now going into his 21st season LeBron and AD, who showed remarkable health down the stretch and really hasn't played that consistently since his days in New Orleans. So I'm... I'm fine with it i think they're good i think they're going to be good but it's going to be at the strength of those two stars more than anything else they did here and i think these guys are going to be fine and if they have any depth issues up top then the whole house of cards is going to crumble the problem is they should have built this team two years ago like this because yeah. this is still a vote of confidence in lebron and ad 
And, um, and you know, everyone can say, oh, they got, I think there's too much made of, oh, they were seventh seed last year. They still got to the Western Conference Finals. They just got to make it. They had to fight their ass off just to get into that seventh spot. Um, and then they ran into, you know, a, a Denver team. And, um, you know, you had to play Memphis. You had to play Golden State. Well, granted, they weren't really tough competition. They are still tough matchups. And then they could not, they were gassed against Denver. So, mm-hmm. It's, I don't really, like, I don't see them as, like, these bona fide contenders. I mean, they're obviously contenders, but so much is dependent on that health. But that being said, I think the other way this offseason could have gone for them is they could have gone all in on Kyrie or all in on that third player. They don't have the room to sign these, a lot of that depth. And then we're complaining about them only having very top-heavy lineup, not filling out the edges. Um, So that's why I think it's good, but I agree with you. I, I don't. Uh, it's still very shaky and um, they all look good on paper, but it'll be interesting to see how it all turns out by the end of the year. Yeah. And I think, look, I think if you had to ask me to power rank the West right now, which is like an impossible task, I still think I have them at like three or four. Right. So it's not like I think that. Yeah. Cause be... you assume all things healthy. Yeah. But you know, who knows? Like LeBron's now gotten hurt in four of the five seasons in LA. And the only season he didn't get hurt was one that had a miracle like three month stoppage between a five month stoppage, really. So, you know, yeah, I I don't know how much like he's only got so much in the tank and he'll still do shit. That's crazy, right? Like he had 30 points in the first half of game four uh, versus Denver. But then down the stretch, he basically had to just settle for jump shots and sort of be passive because, again, he's played more minutes than anybody in the history of the league beyond Kareem. So you kind of have to assume that that's coming. So. All right, next up, I'm going to go Dallas Mavericks, um, which is topical given they just completed Grant Williams' sign-and-trade today. They also brought Seth Curry in. Um, They re-signed Kyrie Irving on a three-year, $126 million deal with third-year player option there, uh, which we should talk about years and and money. Dwight Powell is back. They gave Matisse Thibel an offer sheet. We still have not heard what the exact terms were to that. I don't know if it was the full mid-level exception or just partial. I would assume for him it should be partial if they know what they're doing. But, you know, we'll see if uh, if uh, Portland matches. And then, of course, like we mentioned, they traded uh, Bertans to Oklahoma City to move back two spots, took Derek Lively. And then using that trade exception or the, the, the um, yeah, the, the, the exception that was created from that, they brought in. Rashawn Holmes from Sacramento and the 24th pick, which got them Olivier Maxence Prosper from, uh, I think, Marquette. Omax. Uh, so Omax Prosper seems to be what everyone's going with. So a lot of movement. Um, Reggie Bullock is no longer in the team, and then Bertans is no longer in the team. So those were the only two kind of crucial pieces they lost. Uh, and, of course, Kyrie's back after a tumultuous you know month or two uh, stint in Dallas uh, after he was brought in the trade line. So – I am putting my flag on the Mavericks as an elite team in the West next season. Luka MVP. They are building the right team around him right now. I'm giving this an A. All right. Interesting. Um, I like the moves. I like the moves. I like the management of the draft picks and the way they navigated the cap. Um. All good. And you know what, Kyrie, whatever you think about Kyrie, at this point, they made the trade for him. They, they're they all in on Kyrie. So it, this three-year deal, whatever happens, it, it I, you have to do it. Now, that being said, I'm going to give him a B plus. 
think on paper it looked okay. really good. I Dwight Powell. I don't know their fa- infatuation with Dwight Powell is. I feel like yeah, they really their front court a little bit more. Um, but on the wings, obviously with with maybe Tybal coming in, Grant Williams, you got Seth Curry, all players that can play with Luca can can shoot, and you know if Tybal can bring some defense at least, but. I just, I don't know. They're still not sold on them as being that bona fide contender like you talked about. Yeah, slim down Luka, MVP Luka. We've been talking have about... Have you seen him? Have you seen him recently? I have, yeah. But he came into the last two seasons as the MVP favorite. So I would just, you know, pump the brakes a little bit on that one. But uh, overall, great offseason, B+. Well, it's interesting because I thought they were you know, obviously very soft uh, defensively and really mentally last year, you know? So I think they improved that with Grant Williams, who, you know, is a little overrated because he's got the boss and shine on him and guys like Bill Simmons think that he could be traded for the number seven pick and stuff like that. So you got to like take that down. But I thought for the mid-level or around that amount of money, it was pretty reasonable. Again, I'm curious what this Tybal number comes in at, but didn't really feel like an overpay. Uh, What are your thoughts on the Kyrie deal? Just in terms of you think this is going to keep him happy and sort of like, keep the boat going and, and, and nothing to disrupt, you know, that pairing trying to gel a little bit. I think he'd be good for this year. Um, and, and then look, you have one more year you need to, and then he has an option. Is it a player option in year three? It is a player option. Yeah. So essentially you got two years for him. And if he's opting into that third year, um, look, it's a lot of money, but like I said, this was kind of one of those things where they already made the swing for Kyrie you you have to pony up, and the question is, who are they bidding against? I don't know, but if three year one forty or whatever it is makes him happy and it gives him a chance of staying at least two years, you do it. Um, and once again, it's still a tradable contract. This is it's like Harden. If he asks out in the middle of it, you know you have to find something to work. But at this point, you're kind of you've made the deal with the devil, so you have to figure out a way to make it work. So I'm okay with that's it. how I. Yeah, that's how I feel. Everyone's like, you know, I wouldn't be in the Kyrie business, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's like to me, yes, it's been a while since we've seen him flourish on the big stage. The numbers are always amazing. Even last year in Dallas, he was 27, 6, and 5 on almost 50, 40, 90. And they had a plus uh, positive point differential when he played. And so that stuff feels like it always checks out, yet the teams never seem to do as well as they did without him. And so I think it's going to be interesting. They certainly were not going to be able to build the right team on the fly last year. They needed the offseason to figure out to get the balance right, which they've now started to address. I still think that, like, I don't quite know, to your point about Kleba and Powell and, like, Holmes and McGee. Like, the bigs are still a little depressing. You know, Lively's a rookie. I don't really think he's going to come in and contribute uh, early on, if, if at all, in year one. So that still, to me, feels like a soft area for the team. And then wing defenders, right? You have Grant Williams, but he's more of a, a bigger player. Like, he's, he guards Giannis more than I could see him guarding, like, a Tatum or Kawhi kind of player. And then we know Luka's never going to take that assignment. THJ is a little small. Seth Curry is obviously tiny. So who is going to guard, like, the apex predator wings? I still don't feel like they have a great answer for it. Um, I still think a lot of their uh, strategy is going to be, like, let's outscore the hell out of every opponent and go from there. So I, I like what they did. They're not a championship contender yet, but I think with a transcendent Luka season, they should certainly be, in my opinion, top six uh, versus, like, 12th last oh, year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they'll be top six. But, I mean, will they be top well, two? Well, I mean, you start to look at the teams, and it's like, it's not a guarantee. 
Like um, nobody took a step. Who who in the West do you really think took a major? Dude, step there's back? just so many health concerns and combustible rosters that, like the Lakers, Clippers are two of the top teams. I could easily see things falling apart. Memphis doesn't have Jaw. Like those are three teams I just named right off the bat. Golden State, one year older. Who knows? Four teams that are already shaky. Yeah, I mean, Memphis is an interesting one, um, and I can't remember if the smart trade, I guess, did that happen? We were literally re- uh, reacting to it live, I think, during the podcast, yep. so I thought that was a good move for them, um, because I do think it stabilizes it a little bit when uh, when when Jaw is out, and then he can play next to Jaw because he guards up, um, so that should be a good trade for them. And he's almost like a refined version of Dylan Brooks. So whatever they were getting from him, they'll get a better version of that through Smart. Uh, but to your point, anytime you're missing, like, you know, you're all NBA guard for 25 games, it's not going to be, you know, peaches and cream the whole time. And so. I know they play well without him, but the the West is going to be a grind this year, man. So, um, all right, is it my turn? Uh, yes. Let's go with... Uh, the Washington Wizards. Really? Okay. Was not expecting to discuss them again here. Well, what what intrigues you about them? And I guess- well, I just want to give you a platform to talk about some of the latest moves, right? Because obviously we talked yeah. about Beal. Um, well, let's start with your thoughts first. So I think I give them a B minus. Yeah. I think overall positive, right? I think uh. The draft, I like the fact that they take a flyer on Bilal. Um, I think Jordan Poole, not bad value. He's another guy you can kind of reclaim, the reclamation project, right? Take him out of the system. What I did not like is really Kyle Kuzma coming back on a four-year deal. Um, Mm -hmm. And I get that you have to spend this money somewhere, but him and Poole, I just feel like that's not really going to help Poole's development. I feel like I don't know what Kuzma is going to bring. He's going to keep this team ceiling still feels or floor still feels a little high. I know everyone says they're going to be awful and they will, but they still don't <laughs> feel like as awful as they should be. Yeah. Um, and they've got some, they got Tyus Jones, Dan Logan. Are they going to keep any of these guys? I don't know. Well, it's interesting because so my grade would be a B slash incomplete. Because I like the conviction they're finally showing. Like, we didn't sit, sit around and, like, fucking, oh, should we keep Beal? Like, you mean, they literally came in day one. They're like, Beal, you're gone. Tell us the team and you're out of here. He's like, Phoenix. All right, done. KP. They were not trying to fool themselves with what version of the team could exist with KP. Moved on from him. Chris Paul, they got a real asset back in Jordan Poole. He's just 23, and his numbers when he was a starter last year were pretty damn good, and the year before as well. So, all that to be said, I like some of those things. The Kuzma contract, the fourth year makes me nervous. It's like, was anybody really giving him four years? But then you see Jeremy Grant freaking five for 160. You see like Fred Van Bleed three for 130. You know, you see some of these deals and you're like, all right, well, Dylan Brooks got four for 80. I think Kuzma at this stage of their careers and this stage of the season was probably thought of as a better player than Dylan Brooks. I don't know if you agree or not, but if he's four for 80, then fan, four for actually. yeah. Yeah, so then four for 100 is not that much, you know, that not unreasonable. The issue, to your point, is like, all right, well, is this team actually going to suck? So two reasons why I think it is. Kuzma and Poole, to what you said, they are not a good combo. That's going to be the tank commanders of the century. And B, also what you mentioned earlier in the podcast, everybody 
in the basement has gotten better. So I expect Indiana to be better, right? They just went and spent a bunch of money on Bruce Brown and some other guys. I expect Orlando to be better. I expect um, Houston to be better. I expect, you know, Utah, Oklahoma City. So you're really talking about three to four teams that are probably in that cellar of which if the Wizards are one of the bottom four, they'll have, you know, the highest percent chance to get the number one pick. And that's probably what they're playing for. Do I think they're going to finish bottom four? I do. Um, is there a world where I could see them going like 33 and 49 and being kind of like, you know, a little frisky and a little fun? Yeah, sure, too, because they do have talent. They have shot making. The reason why it's a B and not anything higher is I'm still a little confused with what the exact vision is because they have these projects like Bilal sitting over there. Then they have like some of these win now-ish guys like Kuzma, Poole, who are both champions, by the way. So they've played in like these high leverage situations. Then you have this like low ceiling, high floor rookie contract guys like Denny and Kispert, who are kind of over here. And then you have a collection of vets between Landry Shamit, Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala. Like, some of these guys are going to get bought out, but they're also sitting in the team and sort of around. And I would have liked to see us do things like take a shot on Obi Toppin, who was just had for two second-round picks, right? Or maybe right now go sign Bol Bol or something. You know what I mean? Just, like, get a little weird with it. Maybe those things will happen. I just need to be patient, but... I just like that we finally picked a lane and we were decisive rather than, you know, just this flip flop. Like, I don't know which way is up kind of thing that we've existed in for 10 years. Yeah. And then that's why, you know, B minus B it's, it's clear that at least they picked the lane. The lane still looks a little murky in terms of what exactly, like you said, the vision, but they're making the right moves. Um, Well, the other thing though, that we have to mention is because of the new CBA, you have to spend 90% of your cap before the season starts. Yeah. The floor implications mass- are, are much higher. I, yeah. And I feel like people aren't talking about this enough because these have massive tanking implications, right? You can't just wait and then mid season, take on a bad contract for a first round pick, or you can't just like sit there and be like, whatever, we'll pay yeah. our guys. You know, if you that's don't why hit Houston 90%, has to spend that money and give out those contracts, has to spend the money. OKC has been taking on a bunch of contracts, right? Like they took on Bertans. They actually took on, couple other guys uh victor oladipo you know the spurs took on reggie bullock so like every team is doing it the pistons took on uh, uh joe harris right so it's happening around the league the wizards were like well our two choices are take on a bad deal or just resign kyle kuzma to a fair deal who's probably going to have more value to us down the line than you know the 27th pick in next year's draft or whatever mm-hmm. it was so i think that's what's going to make that's what makes tanking a little tougher and now they, they are going to be able to be mostly reset for the next couple of years. They have a pool pool and Kuzma are the big names, but you know, Tyus Jones is going to come off. Daniel Gafford's going to come off eventually. Like, and these are small numbers, like 10 to 15 million. It's just going to offer so much more flexibility. I'm really, really curious to see if there's some way, somehow we land like the one star, whether it's through draft or something, can they actually be a franchise and a city that ever attracts real talent? So those are the answer has been a resounding no. Is that because of the infrastructure of the team or is that because the market doesn't seem very fun? I'm curious if that ever flips, if they start acting like a professional franchise. It might flip. I They're never going to be a free agent destination, but I, they don't also have as bad of a, uh, you know, a free agency outlook as many other markets like OKC or even Sacramento and some, you could argue, right? Despite how good they've been. Do people want to go play there? So I don't think that's that big of a problem. Um, But I think, you know, finally getting rid of the Beal mistake, right? We talked about it. We don't need to revisit that, but that's the first step. And now 
uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. So what's your team? Um, well, quickly, by the way, I was just looking at a mock draft. I might, I might have to figure out how to watch G League Ignite because the top two prospects are both playing there. Uh, Ron Holland and this guy, Mat- oh, Matas Buzelis. So I may be, I may be starting to invest in these alternate leagues. Um, my next team is, let's go to the list. Let's just do it. The Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the most talked about team at the deadline when they added Kevin Durant and then doubled down on that with trading for Bradley Beal. Have four guys making 160 million. So you say, okay, how the hell are you going to have put anything close to a competent roster around them? They've signed a lot of dudes. Uh, needless to say, there's a lot of names on the list. Um, Eric Gordon, probably the biggest name, uh, but he's you know in his mid 30s. You have Josh Okoji they brought back. Uh, Yuta Wantanabe from KD's Brooklyn days. You have Metu from the Kings. Um, you got uh, Devin Eubanks, I think, from the Blazers. Just a hodgepodge list of team Damian Lee came back there's a number of guys let me know if I'm forgetting anyone big but they have this crew now I guess you could cobble together a starting lineup and a couple bench guys but I look at the team and I'm like last year's biggest problem is they had no fifth starter and this year's biggest problem is they also have no fifth starter um Beal is a better player than Paul but is he better in this version of the team where you need a, a table setter. You need a guy to, to sort of not have as high of a usage. I don't know. Is Frank Vogel going to help unlock a different version of Deandre Aiden that, uh, you know, that Monty Williams couldn't get to. I have no idea. So everyone's like loving the Suns' summer for what they did around the fringes and the limitations, but they also were the ones that got themselves in those limitations. So I'm giving this a C plus. I'll give it a, B minus, uh, B minus. You could be high. You could you could be totally. You know, listen. You could be totally different than me. On you could say, look, holy shit, they got Beal for basically nothing. Like this is awesome. They'll figure it out. That could be definitely a take. No, I'll give a B minus because um, they did get Beal for very little, um, and we knew they were working with very little to begin with, and they did a solid job filling out the roster. Eric Gordon, nice piece, been there um, on those Houston teams. And all these guys can can play and, and I think can fill out the regular season minutes and, and they'll be a formidable team from that standpoint. I just don't know how defensively who they you trust, who Vogel will trust in this team, even on offense. Um, uh, you know, I know Chemezi Metsu very well, um, but he's a very limited player. Um, yeah. You know, these guys, uh, Kogi, fine, but he, was, he couldn't be trusted from a lot of the stretches the Suns had last year. None of these guys are really reliable role players to me, except for Eric Gordon. And he's not even a role player anymore. In this in this version of the roster, he's pretty much one of their core five, right? You got yeah. Beale, Durant, Booker, uh, Aiden, and then that's your fifth best guy. Easily. Um so I that's a small team though. That's a very small team. I I think I don't know what they're gonna do. I think this this like I said they maximized what they could do with the situation they put themselves in giving Beal that uh, or getting Beal. I just don't know that this is enough. So I'm going to go B minus. I think they still need to do something like add a little bit more size behind Aiden. Like 
Eubanks and Metu, they are small ball centers, and Aiton has known to get pushed around. I don't know if that's like a Christian Wood or if that even matters at this point. Uh, even like a Plumley, if they were able to get Plumley or well, Plumley resigned now. But I yeah, know, I know, he resigned with perfect with Clippers, but that would have been perfect. Just somebody because, like, at least with Wood, he's a regular season innings eater, and you could argue like, okay, he's not going to be super playable in the playoffs, but whatever, we're going to go down to an eight man rotation. I just remember last year, it's like Booker and Durant are playing forty eight minutes a night and taking like thirty five shots each. And aside from giving Beal some of those shots, I don't see how that their offense and the whole system system is going to change materially this this playoffs. That's that's why I can't give this a good grade. It's it's a weird roster, man. And you're right; it may not look the same starting now until the end of the year. But there's also not that much flexibility with assets that they have. Aiden no, is the one they, piece they can move. Um, I know there's that talk about maybe like a Turner. Aiden swap and maybe you get another player back in that deal. Um, you that know, would be amazing th- if you could do like Aiden and uh, Aiden for like Turner and I don't know like TJ McConnell or like Jalen Smith or something. Yeah, at least you get you get two pieces back. Uh, two players can contribute, and at least Turner gives you a defensive. I mean, Aiden's not bad, but Turner becomes kind of your defensive specialist. Um, yeah. They can cover up some of the the lack of, of defense you have around the perimeter. And um, they kept campaign, right? Did they? Maybe I thought they I did. saw that they Um but Yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh this is a weird team. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So campaign This this feels like an auction yeah, draft where them. you go like heavy, way heavy yeah. early, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, then yeah. like rounds four through fifteen, you're just spending one dollar. And you're getting that's a great that's a great uh, analogy. That's like they got Christian McCaffrey, they got Dalvin Cook, and they got Saquon. Their quarterback is you know uh, Sam Howell, and then their receivers are just like Curtis Samuel and I don't know why I'm picking only Commanders players, but Curtis Samuel and like Randall Cobb, and that's what they're going to try to roll. And, and Eric Gordon's that vet that like you know you, you know one dollar may not be enough, so you start with a bit of two, and somehow no one else outbids you, and you get him, and you're like, yes, that's that. He still he's gives Melvin me something. Gordon. He's he's Melvin Gordon because he's he, Melvin they, Gordon. He, the guy they the guy read one article about how he might have a timeshare with Javante <laughs> Williams. So exactly, it's gonna be fascinating. Like I still think they're gonna be really good because all those players are awesome. Like their stars are awesome, and you know health aside which is of course a major question like everything else fit etc i think can be overcome to some degree by talent but you know and and i don't have denver on my list of teams to talk talk about they did not have a good offseason in my opinion or at least not a noteworthy one um they only got worse but i still like how are they gonna be like what did they do that's gonna make them better than denver that's what i'm still trying to understand yeah so it will Nothing. be fascinating if they end up running into like a, the Warriors or the Lakers who have a little bit more depth, um, but equal star kind of talent at the top. And just what that looks like. That's what I'm hoping for. Yep. All right. My next, next team, team? Uh, Portland. And that, I know this one's a little bit of an incomplete, but I, mm-hmm. regardless of what happens with Dame, because I actually don't think the haul they're going to get is going to be some legendary haul, uh, you know, obviously Miami's his preferred destination. They're saying they're not going to balk at that. 
Um, I think the problem I have with Portland, and I'm giving them a D minus. Oh my god! Okay, is uh, they painted themselves into a corner with this whole Dame situation. Uh, I I just think they're this is there've been rumblings about this for the last two years. They had time to prepare, and I think mm-hmm. if they really were serious about going all in to you can't put it's like what the Warriors did a couple of years ago. They want half foot in the contention, half foot or one foot in the contending space, one foot in the let's just keep our options open. And yep. I think the number three pick was a pretty valuable asset, especially given that Scoot was ending up there. Mm-hmm. And Anfordy Simons is another pretty good asset. And I know there's talks about them packaging them up, but I don't think they really aggressively shopped that because they wanted the flexibility of protecting their future. And if you were going to do that, they should have made the call on Dame much earlier. And I think they've now painted themselves into this corner where Dame's dictating the terms. They want to be, I know they're talking a big game, but I personally think that they will end up sending him to Miami, um, his preferred destination, and will not get the return that they really should be getting for a player like Dame. So a lot still to happen, but I think they've bungled this. And that Jeremy Grant deal is just another example of I mean, and the, the timings, people don't know. Like, did they already know? People are saying maybe they already knew Dame was going to go and he, they still made that deal. And some people say it was a last-minute kind of, hey, we are committed to building this team. But five years, like you mentioned, for a player like Jeremy Grant, if Dame leaves, that is not a great contract. That is where most of your cap space is tied up. D-. minus. <laughs> so... Yeah, I want to start with this last point around timeline. Because Dame and Portland had that meeting on like Monday or something before free agency. And they said he's not requesting a trade. He just wants to see what happens in free agency. But so what doesn't make sense is like they must have known. Yeah. Right? Because if they didn't know, like I, it doesn't make sense, but then if they knew, why in the world would they give Jeremy Grant that contract? Because even if you didn't want to lose the asset for nothing, you would have just signed and traded him. You know, maybe you don't get a great return, but if someone like, well, Detroit had outright cap space, so maybe that's what they're worried about is that they wouldn't be able to sign and trade him. But it feels like you could have gotten something, and in some cases, you could have sent him to a team that didn't have cap space who still wanted to add him. And, you know, was a contender, right? Or even you go to like the Clippers and you say, hey, we'll take your expirings and throw in a couple picks, maybe a young guy, and you get Jeremy Grant, like a cheaper price than what they're being rumored for for Harden. So something doesn't totally add up with me with that timeline. It was one of the most atrocious contracts that I've ever seen. Um, really just the, the fifth year being added was really just drove the knife into my own heart of being like, what is going on exactly? And so for what reason? Yeah. The only reason I'm going to give him a grade better than that, I'm going to give him a C or C plus even, because I think it's this important. They did not trade the number three pick. And that was critical. They took Scoot like they should have. There's no future with Dame. That team was never going anywhere. I have a lot of thoughts about how Dame is turning into one of the more overrated players of this generation. And nobody's ever been able to win with him. And if he hasn't had great teammates, well, he hasn't lifted him up either to the level of his stardom. That would indicate so that should be factored in um but scoot was a right pick and that's the guy to build your future around along with shade and sharp the fact that they didn't turn that into like og ananobi or like you know uh brent you know, that was at least a miracle um the only guy i would have potentially done that trade for is zion williamson 
everybody else, I would not. All the other names that were rumored, even like Jalen Brown, I would have not. I would not have done that trade for. Zion's the only guy I might have taken the flyer on, but but they stood pat. They took Scoot. The, the, the Dame return will be interesting because if they are going to play hardball, we'll see what that opens up. But even between Brooklyn and Miami, you could start a bidding war. And if Brooklyn likes him and he likes them, they can give you a pretty nice return. So while it's probably not going to be a Gobert level package, I do think they can salvage a little bit of face value with Dame. And then the only really bad decision is probably around uh, the Grant deal, especially if they can get off Nurkic's money in a, in a Lillard trade. Yeah, look, I agree with them keeping the three pick. My my point just being that it feels like they were trying to commit to both or leave both options open. And when you do that, never um, and part of that's on Dame, right? Maybe Dame was not forthcoming with them or Dame, you know, that first meeting where apparently he didn't ask for a trade. It was a two and a half hour meeting. Like, so what are they talking about? Like, he's definitely putting the screws on them. And so, I don't know, as a franchise, I think. It's confusing because it's like, what else did you think he would want? Like, you know this guy. It's not like some random dude yeah. just showed up. Like, you've been around him for 12 years. You know exactly, like, how close he was to trading. We saw, we heard more uh, rumors of it this season than ever before. Like, he goes on Instagram Live and, like, I'm going to Miami by uh, Will Smith <laughs> is playing. And, like, that's all this shit, which is just so annoying. But anyway, all of those are are pretty much like, yeah, he's about to demand out. So when he did, it was like the least surprising trade request of all time, at least for me. Yeah, it was, I mean, and you know me, I'm a, I've been a Dame hater for a while now. And uh, it, this was uh, a long time coming and I knew all the loyalty talk. It's all BS, man. It's all BS. It's all posture. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I They're do have to give you a break. Grandpa. Yeah. Oh uh, God. Tell me. Keegan Murray just dropped 41 points in a summer oh league game. Oh, my God. Now, I know it's summer Keegan. league, whatever, but, like, I I think Dude. he's taking the leap, man. I think he's taking the you leap. You could have maybe asked me to guess a 1,000 NBA storylines to have picked, and I wouldn't have gone to breakout game for Keegan Murray <laughs> in the Sacramento Summer League or wherever they're playing. 41, Interest- man. That's insane. Interestingly, why is he playing summer league? I kind of respect that. He's only playing two games, but the reason the reason that he's given the team has kind of said is um they want him give they want to run him as like a number one option and see how like he's played all last season as kind of spot up shooter off ball yeah. um and so they he's been working on kind of shot creation been working out De'Aaron Fox and so summer league's the best kind of place to start testing that out right um he's only playing two games. The Kings have rebuked teams left and right who have wanted Keegan Murray in deals, whether it's OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam for Toronto, whether it's some other guys around the league. You know, even with with Ben Simmons, the pick that became Keegan Murray, remember, was being yeah. swirled around the year before. So there's a lot of teams. They, they obviously took him over Jaden Ivey. If he does have a star turn in him, which I know all the Kings fans are expecting, they're excited for, you guys are hyped, that – totally changes the trajectory of this Kings franchise. Like if, like if he's a guy, because not only is it like hard for them to add talent with how much Sabonis and Fox make, but that is a premier position. The number one place you want to star. Uh, so we'll yeah. see, but that, that's, I, I think that's what the franchise is betting too. on too. So, yeah. Um, 
Jalen Williams is also playing summer league. And then there's some criticism that uh, Christian Brown is not for Denver because similarly, he's already proved it on the big stage, but they want him to do something different next season, play a new role. And therefore you should go try it. I think, yeah, play a couple of games. I don't think these guys need to grind out the entire summer league circuit, but yeah, I don't think you could get a flight. That was part of the problem. Um, (laughs) All right. So speaking of which, by the way, you will be in attendance in 48 hours or less to go watch Mr. Wembenyama's make his NBA debut. Is that right? Yeah, I'll, I'll be in Vegas. We're going to be missing you out there. but I know, I know. Bunch of guys, Vegas Summer League. It's been my dream, man. It's uh, Vegas has never been about you know all the girls. It's always been about, hey, what NBA player can I... It's always been about hoops. It's That's always been about hoops. And, and what NBA girls, player can I uh, chat up? It's yeah, Dude, I'm excited. I, I, it's gonna be awesome, and I definitely think you're gonna meet uh, multiple famous people. Is my guess. From what I understand, they're kind of just like everywhere, uh, especially because like all the games are happening at uh, the Mac Center, mm-hmm. right, or whatever it's yep. called. And so filtering out of there, you know which spots people are gonna kind of walk to. Um, people are gonna be in the concourses. It's not a big arena, right? It's a college arena, so you're not. It's not like like an NBA, just like kind of crazy museum where you just lose lose sight of everyone like it's no. you're gonna see people and all, and because Wemby's playing um that friday and like as you heard it's already sold out and it suddenly doesn't always sell out games you know as, as popular right. as it is and everyone will be in in the building for that one it's gonna be hyped and yeah man i mean all these guys they're gonna be what where are they gonna go gamble where are they gonna be hanging out the clubs they're gonna be at the same casinos we're at the same you're gonna beach hold club? their chips, get huh? bar, let them borrow some money when they need yeah. it. Like if they have a couple bad beats, like then you step in and say, "Hey, I got you. No worries." So I just gotta you. You know, the, the hard part is how do you not be a total fanboy because they're gonna get so much of yeah. that. But also, if you had went to, to the Michael Rubin party, you could have practiced a little <laughs> bit before. before yeah, that, the... that's a great place to practice. Sure, yeah, <laughs> not it's well. At all. If you were there, at least you'd have some stories for for the crowd. Keegan Murray probably didn't get invited if that makes you feel better. To Michael Rubin's party? You think he could have gone in if he wanted to? No. I think after tonight's game, if Michael Rubin saw him yeah, drop right. 41, like, oh, shit. <laughs> he might change his Number tune. one option, Keegan Murray, he needs to be at my house. I mean, if Graham uh, Williams was going, I mean, the, it can't be that strict in terms of attendance. No, that he was. Uh, he's definitely um, Tatum's plus one. Like, yeah, no yeah. way. That... So if someone vouched for Keegan, I don't think anyone would, but if someone did, then at yeah. least with Michael Rubin, because he was you know former owner of the Sixers and fanatics guy, he like you said, he knows all the athletes. So it's not like a C list, you know. Like could Sydney from the Bear get into that party? <laughs> I don't know, but Grant Williams, I feel like it has a closer line to uh, to Michael Rubin. That show is awesome, by the way, and I would recommend you. Or I've seen else season one. I have not seen season two, but I've heard that season oh. two is even better. Oh God, it's incredible. Yeah. Um. All right, my last team. We'll just do this quickly because I want to get your thoughts now that the dust has settled. Is the Boston Celtics? Um. In goes Kristaps Porzingis. Um. Out goes Marcus Smart and Grant Williams. And who else did they get? Let's just see. So this is interesting because they've lost a lot of toughness. Um, they've certainly 
you know, gotten a little bit more offensively uh, creative with Porzingis and his skill set, who was pretty much all-star season last year with Washington. But then they have three bigs with Horford and Robert Williams. They have, they're pretty thin at the wing and they have a good backcourt with Brogdon and white, but now lose some depth there. So I'm, I'm kind of interested with what they've done with their team. I actually don't think I like it. I think I'm giving them a C plus because I feel like they've lost a little bit of their defensive identity and they've now bet on a couple guys to play big roles who have had prior health issues being Chris Dobbs and uh, Brogdon on top of, you know, 37 year old Al Horford. So I'm not in love with this off season, uh, even though I think they're going to be one of the top teams in the East, just given the, the, you know, the, the lack of firepower there. I just, I just don't think that they got better. I'm giving them a C. C plus C uh, right in the middle, because I think for everything they gained, they lost equal amount. So it's literally mm-hmm. putting them right in the middle of that grading chart. Um, I like the Porzingis edition on paper. I like the dimension it gives their offense. Uh, I think they needed that. And by replacing smarts offense, um, that w- helps. What I don't like is you said the defensive identity um, and the fact that, the injury concerns, if you have less depth, there's just more that could potentially go wrong. I I like I do like the fact that they shook it up. And I think they needed to shake it up. And there's been reports that Marcus Smart's uh you know his sense of self-worth and leader, uh, you know, and what he thinks of himself on that team as being one of the leaders, clashing yeah. with Jalen and, and Jason, uh is a big was a big issue. So clearing that makes sense. Um, but this team just doesn't excite me, man. I think they, they're still not, uh, I don't know. I feel very mad about them. They'll still be a great team. They'll still be top three seed in the East. Still be a contender. I just don't think they've done anything to substantially make me think, feel much better about their situation. And part of the thing is like, I feel like they're going to walk their way into 53 to 57 wins because they're just like Tatum and Brown play all the time. And they're, they're sort of like involved every night, things like that. But I don't know, like has Kristaps been like some revolutionary playoff performer you're trying to bank on? No. In fact, his game is actually suited to get stopped pretty easily in the playoffs, right? You can control those mid post touches. He's not going to, I know he had a phenomenal uh, low post uh, efficiency numbers, but it's still not a guy like Embiid that you're going to throw the ball down to 20 times a game, right? So uh, he shot the ball as well as he has his whole career from three. I really like Kristaps. This isn't Sour Graves. Like, I'm a big fan of his, and I think it was awesome how he turned it around. I just don't see that being the type of dynamism you need in the playoffs. Like, we saw it with the Luka Mavs versus those Clippers. Granted, that was a bad matchup for him, but he had trouble staying on the floor. Um, he's way healthier now. He's, his knee is better. He's way better defensively. So this could all be, you know, moot. But I worry about the fact that they, what they gave up. I think you phrased it nicely. Like what they gave up was was equal to what they uh, got got back. Um, you know, Joe Maz year two, a little bit more of a refined coaching staff. Maybe that helps. Maybe that doesn't. But um, the other thing is, do you find it weird that? Um, that uh, Jalen Brown has not signed his contract yet, or who knows if he's been offered it. Uh, yeah, that whole situation's weird. And I feel like even if he signs it, um, that's a situation where year two, he's like, I'm out of here. 
I'm very uh, confused by it. Yeah, it could be like a Bradley Beal thing, like take the money now and figure it out in a year. That, that's that's the move, right? That's what players are doing. So I, I don't yeah. know why what's going on with that, but everything I've heard about you know from Jalen Brown, his camp, all the way leading up to this, it seems like he's he's getting it. He'll sign it, but this the could easily back a like, year or two. I think they could blow it up. Right, and the fact that it hasn't happened yet is a little confusing. Yeah. Part of me wonders if they're trying to negotiate, like, hey, we're not going to give you the full Supermax. We'll give you somewhere between regular Max and Supermax. It's still way more than anyone else can offer you. And if they're just going back and forth on that, like maybe instead of 5 for 295, it's 5 for 270, yeah. right? And that saves them some tax and breathing room. But, you know, I think he'll be there. I don't think he'll be traded. It's just I'm curious, to your point, like how does this affect the team's relationship moving forward and what he does next year? Because – I don't see this team winning a title, um, and so now that's what year seven of Beal of uh, Tatum and Brown, and the partnership still, you know, isn't intact. So, yeah. All right. Well, that is a wrap for us. Uh, big preview or big recap, I should say, of uh, of all the activity the last couple of weeks. Still a couple more dominoes to fall, so we will be back with coverage as those things happen. Have a blast in Vegas. Let me know what's going on with Victor. Is he the real deal? Or is like I saw him bricking a bunch of shots like in his first day in San Antonio, which was bad. The only two makes he had were off dunks. A little concerning, but you know, I'm not gonna freak just yet. Um, and then tell me how my guy Bilal's doing if you get to catch a Wizards game. That's the most that's your actual most important task is what does Bilal Kulabali look like? Has he grown? Yeah, since I'll, the draft? I'll give you uh notes from the games. Um, you know, my scouting report. I'll give you some stories, anecdotes from who I run into. Um, and hopefully it's more like hanging out with guys like, you know, maybe Wemby, maybe some, you know, Bradley Beals out there. I can talk to him. He uh, should be playing, actually. Yeah. He should try to get his game back and be actually on the Sun Summer League team. That would be a good idea for him. Yeah. I mean, I hope some of the, the stars show out. Usually there's, a you know, a lot of NBA stars do show out. Uh, I hope it's the same this year. But you know, it I will say be for Victor for sure, hundred yeah, percent. This is Vic- like when Zion came in and like LeBron and AD were courtside. And but the whole Zion's deal. a U.S. guy, so those guys are even more. I don't know. True. Like, Victor will have the hype, but it's not like these guys are like LeBron is like, oh, I'm, I gotta go see Vic. It'll be like Zach Lowe and John Hollinger. Yeah, I was gonna say like you know the funny thing is I, I have this me- uh, vision of me see- meeting all these NBA players, hanging out with them, and it's really gonna be me and KOC at the blackjack table, and that's can you gonna get be like him the highlight can of you my get trip. Him as a- yeah, can you get him as a guest? We need a little bit of firepower here. Yeah, That's if I had, if you, you were there to help should... me recruit, it would be so much I better. Know. But you should turn yeah. into a booking. Just grab Nahal or Unkid and be like, "Oh, this is this is Nithin. Like they, they're not gonna, <laughs> they're not gonna like, know. Yeah, this is thin. Um, exactly. Yeah, we'll so, see. I'm I'm definitely gonna do some recruiting. So we'll see. All right, sounds good. Have a blast. We will talk. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to Think It Been Hoops for everyone else out there. Follow us on social media, and we will talk to you maybe next week, maybe not, as soon as uh, there's more news to discuss. So have a great summer. We'll talk to you.